as most of you are probably aware, the world is in kind of a chaotic state right now, and especially the United States, um, because of the brutal murdering of George Floyd. So um, in solidarity with Black Lives Matter and in the hope for justice for George Floyd. Black Lives Matter. 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 We all stand together. I know this is a history podcast. I do try to go out of my way to not get too political, but we're about to get political. Because right now, we're in the middle of one of the biggest epic fails of history. Now I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. The only thing we have to fear is Well, when the president does it, that means that it is not illegal. Epic fails. What is it you wanted me to reconcile myself to? I was born here almost 60 years ago. I'm not going to live another 60 years. You always told me it takes time. It has taken my father's time, my mother's time, my uncle's time, my brother's and my sister's time. My nieces and my nephews time. How much time do you want for your progress? <sighs> hey folks, Eric here again. Just uh, checking in. <laughs> I just wanted to check in and apologize for the delay. Uh, believe it or not, I was once again planning to get that Cuban Missile Crisis episode up. But 2020 just keeps happening. Today's episode is actually on a subject that I have been meaning to cover for some time now. I was originally hoping to line up a guest or two uh, for this one, but with everything going on right now, it just felt like this was the right time. It felt like it couldn't wait. And I apologize that I wasn't able to get it out sooner. And I want to give everyone a fair warning that this subject, this subject really gets me fired up. Um... This is uh, definitely a difficult topic, but I think it's really important to acknowledge. I usually like to keep this podcast relatively light and entertaining, but today's episode is not that. As someone with a certain level of privilege, using my platform to speak up about this topic feels like the right thing to do. Now, I'm not claiming to be perfect by any means, but I firmly believe that this is an issue that is going to take all of us. This year's not even halfway done, and it already feels like one of the most turbulent years in American history. We're still in the midst of a global pandemic. As I'm recording this, there's now over 7 million reported cases worldwide. 2 million of those are here in the U.S. alone. I was actually hoping to shift to some positive news and talk about the successful launch of American astronauts to the International Space Station aboard the SpaceX Dragon capsule, but then George Floyd was murdered in cold blood by an officer of the law. 
This understandably sparked protests around the nation, but for some reason this time was different. This was of course not the first time an incident like this has occurred, in fact it's become all too familiar. Leaked footage of police brutality has become as common as school shootings, both of which should never be things that we simply become accustomed to. Trayvon Martin, Tamir Rice, Michael Brown, Eric Garner, Philando Castillo, Brianna Taylor, and the list goes on and on. And time and time again, those responsible get off easy because they're protected by the system, and the world moves on without addressing the systematic racism that allows these crimes to flourish. And yet, nearly two weeks later, this incident wasn't even the last. Now, this podcast is supposed to be a history podcast. I've made a really strong effort to not get too political. In fact, I was really tempted to cover the impeachment trial earlier this year, and I chose not to because that chapter of history is still being written. But what's going on right now goes beyond politics. It's about injustice in our midst. It's about the people in charge making excuses. It's not a political issue, it's a moral issue. This should not be controversial. We shouldn't be treating political parties like sports teams. You shouldn't back your party just because you have their jersey. I've spoken about these issues before on past episodes. We talked about Andrew Johnson and the failure of Reconstruction back on episode 17. We did a two-parter on the Civil War, and I spoke with Jasmine Turner about Fort Mose back on episode 4. But I felt compelled to really dive into this subject in light of recent events. To all those people complaining about Confederate monuments being taken down, I'd like to say something. History isn't taught by statues. If you're really worried about history being forgotten, maybe you should read more history books. If you really want people to learn their history, maybe we should pay teachers what they're worth. If you're so concerned over history being forgotten, then why aren't you angry about the Tulsa Massacre? And while we're on the subject, <clears throat> the Confederate flag in a modern perspective, is 100% a racist icon. There's a reason that literal neo-Nazis use it in Germany instead of swastikas. Because swastikas are illegal in Germany, unlike the Confederate symbolism here in the States. The revered Confederate iconography really began to pop up during the 50s in a backlash response to the civil rights movement that was starting to gain traction and momentum at the time. Yes, from a historical perspective, there was nuance behind the Civil War. But, even if you argue that the primary reason for the conflict was states' rights, I want to clarify that the Confederacy was fighting for their states' rights to own slaves. That's what it was. When you boil it down to the basics, that is what the war was about. And the Confederacy lost. That doesn't mean we shouldn't learn about it and learn from it. And we should remember the lives lost, but it also should not be an excuse to praise or honor a flawed and failed ideology. Henry here got on the train with $200. He couldn't see any harm in a friendly game of cards. What if the other men were strangers? And take Joe Collins. 
He's got a nice wife at home. But he met this girl at the bar, and she looked kind of cute after the first couple of drinks. There's a good old-fashioned word for people like this. We call them suckers. And there are other people, people who stay up nights figuring out how to take away what they've got. Take Mike here, for instance. He's got everything, you might say. He's young, he's healthy, he's got a job. And he's got a country called America. It's a wonderful thing to have. America. Lots of room. Room enough to raise plenty of food. Big factories to make things a man can use. Big cities to do the business of a big country. And people. Lots of people. Enough to work the farm and build the factories, dig the mines, and run the business. All kinds of people. People from different countries with different religions, different colored skins. Free people. They can live together and work together and build America together because they're free. Free to vote, to say what they please, go to their own churches, to pick their own jobs. Yeah, Mike's got something, all right. He's got America. But there are guys who stay up nights figuring out how to take that away from him. I want to give you the truth, folks. The truth about America. I know you've got a lot of questions. You want to know why you're not getting the breaks you deserve? Well, I'm not a politician, but I've made it my business to study these things, and I happen to know the facts. Now, friends, I'm just an average American. But I'm an American-American, and some of the things I see in this country of ours make my blood boil. I see people with foreign accents making all the money. I see Negroes holding jobs that belong to me and you. Now I ask you, if we allow this thing to go on, what's going to become of us real Americans? I've heard this kind of talk before, but I never expected to hear it in America. The truth about Negroes and foreigners. The truth about the Catholic Church. Do you believe in that kind of talk? Oh, makes pretty good sense to me. And I tell you, friends, We'll never be able to call this country our own until it's a country without. Without what? Yeah, without what? Without Negroes. Without alien foreigners. Without Catholics. Without Freemasons. You know What's wrong with the Masons? I'm a Mason. Hey, that fellow's talking about me. And that makes a difference, doesn't it? These are your enemies. These are the people who are trying to take over our country. Now you know them, you know what they stand for. And it's up to you and me to fight them. Fight them and destroy them before they destroy us. Before he said Mason, you were ready to agree with him. Well, yes, but he was talking about... What about those other people? But in this country, we have no other people. We are American people. What about you? You aren't American, right? I was born in Hungary, but now I am an American citizen. And I have seen what this kind of talk can do. I saw it in Berlin. I heard the same words we have heard today. But I was a fool then. I thought Nazis were crazy people, stupid fanatics. But unfortunately, it was not so. 
You see, they knew that they were not strong enough to conquer a unified country. So they split Germany into small groups. They used prejudice as a practical weapon to cripple the nation. Of course, that was not easy to do. They had to work hard to do it. You see, we human beings are not born with prejudices. Always they are made for us, made by someone who wants something. Remember that when you hear this kind of talk, somebody is going to get something out of it, and it isn't going to be you. So let's talk about Tulsa, Oklahoma, 99 years ago this month on June 1st, 1921. At the time, the suburb of Greenwood was a booming community known as Black Wall Street. Without warning, this wealthy African-American suburb was attacked in the middle of the night by a mob of armed white supremacists. Its citizens terrorized, its businesses destroyed, and its residents hunted down for sport all while the entire neighborhood burned to the ground. Maybe some of you are familiar with this incident. Maybe some of you have only heard of it in passing. Maybe some of you were first introduced to it on HBO's recent Watchmen miniseries, which was awesome, by the way. But the problem is that it was barely a footnote of American history until recently. The entire incident, the entire incident was sparked by accusations from a young white woman against a young black man named Dick Rowland, who was arrested. Following his arrest, though, the local paper called for him to be lynched, even though the woman never actually pressed charges against him. As a result, an angry mob of townsfolk began to swarm around the courthouse. In response, a small group of African-American veterans from World War I showed up to offer their assistance to the sheriff to defend against the lynch mob. I want to reiterate, these were veterans of World War I, one of the bloodiest conflicts in history. And if you need more convincing, check out our conversation about World War I on Episode 3. These were national heroes, and after surviving the unspeakable horrors of war, they were willing to lay their lives on the line in the name of justice. So the sheriff refused their help, and the veterans began to head back home. Around then, a fight broke out between one of the veterans one of the members of this mob. During the altercation, a shot was fired and the white mob began to riot. As the outnumbered veterans retreated to Greenwood, a group of white vigilantes began a coordinated attack against this black community. Schools, libraries, barbershops, theaters, and cafes were set on fire. They began to fire at unarmed black citizens indiscriminately in the street. Biplanes were even used to drop bombs on the townsfolk as they fled for their lives. Instead of condemning the attacks, the sheriff deputized members of the lynch mob. The law took the side against the victims. The National Guard was soon ordered in to aid the local authorities, but instead of stopping the violence, they began to set up a perimeter to defend against a trumped-up counterattack against the white neighborhood, an attack that never came. The rioters set fire to Greenwood around 1 a.m., and then actively prevented the fire department from putting out the blaze. During the night, many of the people of Greenwood stood their ground to defend their homes and businesses, while others fled for safety. 
Martial law was eventually declared to quell the race riots as state troops arrived later that day, but by then it was far too late. Black Wall Street had already burned to the ground, and with it, for many of its residents, the American dream had gone up in smoke. When all was said and done, 35 city blocks were burned down. 1,256 homes were destroyed, almost 3 million in damages. Over 800 people were injured, and at least 300, but possibly far more, were killed and then buried in unmarked mass graves. To add further insult to injury, approximately 6,000 African Americans were then rounded up and held in custody in a mass arrest for, quote, their protection. Not one white person involved in the riot was ever brought to justice for the arson, the destruction, the theft, or the cold-blooded murder perpetrated against the black citizens of Tulsa. These heinous acts were internationally condemned, with newspapers calling it a national disgrace. The mayor of Tulsa even called for restitution immediately during the aftermath of the tragedy. And to this day, there still have not been any attempts by the government at reparations for the surviving families of the victims. The lives of those that survived were never the same. Most of them had lost all their valuables, property, and their livelihoods. Unfortunately, since then, the history of the Tulsa Massacre was essentially erased from history as white Americans moved on while the Ku Klux Klan became emboldened by it, and the history books didn't even mention it as more than a footnote for years to come. Not only was this one of the worst racist attacks in American history, but it was one of the largest insurgent attacks on American soil. This was an American city under siege. Innocent American civilians were gunned down, murdered in cold blood, and no one ever talks about it. We all know about Pearl Harbor, we all know about 9-11, but we never learned about Tulsa in school, and that's a problem. This was a horrific tragedy in our history, but the real epic fail here is that it was all but forgotten, almost a hundred years later. Somehow, the KKK has still not been declared a terrorist organization, despite inciting and perpetrating actual deadly attacks and hate crimes against American citizens for well over a hundred years. Instead, the president recently denoted Antifa as a terrorist organization. Antifa literally stands for anti-fascist. So many of the problems today come down to classism and institutionalized practices that target marginalized African-American communities, like the school-to-prison pipeline. These systems of inequality have been in place for decades now. The fact that our country has for-profit prisons, which are incentives to lock up the disenfranchised for nonviolent crimes, is enough to really question the way we're running things here in the States. Ever since the civil rights marches from Selma to Washington, D.C., we as Americans have allowed ourselves to give more and more power to those who have been sworn to serve and protect. With the way our country has traded freedom for security in recent years, it's no wonder that certain individuals have felt emboldened to abuse their power. The same people that were complaining when Colin Kaepernick took a knee to protest during the national anthem at a football game are now complaining because people are taking to the streets. 
If people in a free democracy are condemned for silent, peaceful acts of protest in the face of injustice, then what options are left? To be clear, I'm not condoning the riots, but it's not even close to my place to condemn them. There have been dozens of cases of police brutality since the killing of George Floyd. Incidents where legitimately peaceful protesters have been met with excessive force. American civilians exercising their First Amendment rights to assemble are being tear-gassed, battered, shot with rubber bullets, beaten, and killed. Also worth pointing out, tear gas and other chemical weapons were banned by the Geneva Conventions after World War I. It's a war crime to use it on the battlefield, and yet we allow it to be used against our own citizens. Let that sink in for a moment. There's nothing that pisses me off more than people in power not taking ownership for their mistakes, or worse, blaming others. If the facts don't conveniently fit in with your narrative, then it might be time to step outside of your comfort zone and get a better perspective. It's hard to say how the future will unfold, but if there's one thing that history has taught us, it's that the status quo can always change. Democracy is not guaranteed. Without the support of the people, the Constitution is meaningless. It's all just words on a page unless there's actual people there to stand up for it. And what's worse is we're not in a much better place now than we were in 1968. Racism didn't end with Martin Luther King's dream and the March for Civil Rights. That was supposed to be the start of reform, not the end. It's not enough to not be racist. We have to stand up against systematic racism and equality in the world, in the workplace, in our government, in our families. This is not a new issue. It's a problem as old as this country, but I still believe in our nation and the principles on which it was founded. This isn't just an American problem. It affects all of us. In 1946, after being freed from a Nazi death camp, Martin Niemöller, a German Lutheran pastor, confessed the following. In Germany, they came first for the communists. And I didn't speak up because I wasn't a communist. Then they came for the Jews. And I didn't speak up because I wasn't a Jew. Then they came for the trade unionists. And I didn't speak up because I wasn't a trade unionist. Then they came for the Catholics. And I didn't speak up because I was a Protestant. Then they came for me. And by that time, nobody was left to speak up. So, as you may have noticed if you follow me on social media, I've actually been actively working on two other podcasts recently. Too Young for This Trek and Podcasters Assemble. And on both shows, we recently had episodes that just so happened to be super relevant for what's going on now. On Too Young for This Trek, uh, we review Star Trek episodes in a completely random order with someone who's completely new to the franchise. And on the latest episode, we're actually taking a look at one of my personal favorite episodes from Deep Space Nine, Far Beyond the Stars, which feels very appropriate right now for what's going on. 
I'm also helping with this season of Podcasters Assemble where we're taking a look at all 25 Bond films. And on the last episode, we actually somewhat ironically tackled 1973's Live and Let Die, which has a lot of problematic material, but makes for a really interesting discussion about race in America and how we still have a long way to go. But I don't want to just end with plugging my own stuff today, because as a straight white male, I can only empathize with what others are facing and struggling with on a daily basis. So I want to encourage all my listeners to step out of their echo chambers and to really listen to what people of color have to say on these issues and to not jump to conclusions. Over at podcastingcolor.com, you can check out an entire list of podcasts by people of color broken down uh, by categories. They got history podcasts, music podcasts, pretty much anything that you might be interested in. A few of my personal favorites that I'd like to recommend are LeVar Burton Reads, The Nod, Larry Wilmore, Black on the Air, one of my favorite podcasters, Mark Bernardin. He's on both uh, Battlestar Galacticast and Kevin Smith's Fat Man Beyond. And of course, the Shortbox Podcast by Jacksonville's very own Botter Milligan. And if you want to get involved and make a difference, there are all kinds of resources and links at blacklivesmatter.com, naacp.org, and the Bailout Project at bailproject.org. The only thing for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. So my message to you is to speak up for those who can't, to lift up those who can't breathe, to never give up, and to be on the right side of history. Black Lives Matter.